I repented before God. Like I, di- yeah. I just didn't know. I could have known. I mean, yeah. it's my fault. I, I could have known. I could have looked into it a little more. But again, I just believed kind of what everybody else was doing, which right. is not <laughs> oftentimes not a good idea. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours, send me, Lord. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro life ministry, and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome back to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys joining us. And we always encourage you guys to share this podcast episode, share this podcast and all of the episodes that we produce with your friends, family members, share it on social media. And um, yeah, just get the word out. We'd be uh, very appreciative if you would do that. And the whole goal of this podcast is not to promote ourselves and make ourselves feel or look important, but to equip you and to challenge you, you guys who are listening, mostly folks that are listening or um, people who are involved in sidewalk outreach ministry at their local abortion center. We get a lot of interactions from people and questions from people, even some encouragement from folks. I just had someone text me um, from Southern California who mm. asked me, how was the duck? How did the duck taste? And, oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, that refers so, to one of our last <laughs> podcasts, right? Yeah, that was our episode where you talked about the hooded right. marganser hooded, duck. Hooded that, marganser. That yeah. Uh-huh. That, yeah. I don't think they quite got the important message from that podcast. Yeah, I think they got it. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was funny. And it was something that they, they actually latched onto there. So, um, But I didn't eat the hooded marganser no. duck. It's no. still out here swimming in our pond not far from where we're recording this podcast. Yeah, praise God. This podcast is not about ducks or nope. eating ducks or anything like that, nope. but it is about pro-life stuff in light of the gospel. And so we hope to equip you guys. And this episode that we're going to do is maybe a little outside of our wheelhouse yeah. in the sense that we mostly focus on the outreach at abortion centers and uh, and not on subjects like this. But we have done subjects like this in the past. We've talked about birth control. We've talked about, I don't know, other things, more kind of like ideological Mm -hmm. things that have to do with pro-life, the pro-life message and Mm -hmm. our pro-life convictions. And we've never really talked about IVF. Right. What does IVF stand for? In vitro fertilization. Yeah. And we can get into some definitions. I think we should here in just a minute. Yeah. But just... Like to let you guys know this, we're not doctors. I'm not, you know, I'm not a scientist that deals with in vitro fertilization or anything like that. But I don't think that we have to be doctors or scientists to dig into a subject and to see what the scripture says about that subject and to see our convictions are our convictions in line with the repercussions and the things that surround this subject. So we're going to talk yeah. about in vitro fertilization mm-hmm. and our, our goal is not to offend you. If there are people that are out there that have been involved in IVF and in some way, shape or form, our goal is not to offend you. Um, but 
we're not apologetic either. I'm not going, going to apologize for the truths that we share. And if you're offended, maybe that offense is conviction that you need to repent. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, then repent. You don't need to repent to me. Repent to Jesus. But I think this will be, more than anything, informative. For you guys that are listening, it probably, for many of you, will be a brand new subject, something not even on your radar. For some of you guys that have been in this this battle for a long time, we're going to tell you stuff you already know. And you could probably add some more to this conversation and teach us something. So we're not going to pretend to be experts on this. But again, we are going to be consistent with what the Bible says and with our convictions that life begins at conception. So with that, let's jump into it, Vicki. Define what we're talking about when we're talking about IVF or right. in vitro fertilization. Yeah. Okay. So this is for- Is it in vitro or in vitro? Sorry. In vitro. In vitro. Yeah. And this, this is for infertile couples, couples who cannot uh, naturally conceive a child okay. for whatever reason. So this process is one in which sperm and ovum, the egg of the woman, the sperm of the man, are are collected, combined, and the egg is fertilized outside of the woman's body and then uh, replaced into the womb. Right. And and hopefully then the pregnancy will proceed normally from that point. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes the egg is... um, the fertilized egg is implanted immediately into the womb. Sometimes it it isn't immediate, in which case that egg is frozen. Yeah. And some people, especially uh, in the past, would collect many, many eggs and and have many frozen, kind of as a safe safety net. Yeah. Um. So, which causes all kinds of problems, which we're going to be talking about. Um, yeah. So essentially the term that used to be used or a term that you heard, you know, when I was a kid was test tube babies. Right. You ever heard yeah. of that? Yes. And it's yeah. kind of that concept, kind of right? Yeah. A child is conceived yeah. in a laboratory, sperm and egg come together. At that point, mm-hmm. that's a zygote, an embryo, whatever technical mm-hmm. term, mm-hmm. but we would believe and I think it's consistent with the scripture and consistent with what we've said on this podcast all along that life begins at conception. Right. And that when that egg and that sperm come together in that process uh, called conception, a unique life is created. Right. right. right? A unique human being has been created, and it's yeah. at the earliest stage of that human being's development. So the reason that this came on our radar was actually we were on an airplane traveling to a conference and and a young lady who had had IVF sat down with one of our team members and started talking about IVF. And then they yeah. came over to talk to me because he had never really thought, I guess, a lot about what she was saying. She was supporting it from a Christian worldview, yeah. which right away I struggled with. Right. I had not thought a lot about it, honestly. Until I, but I, I knew I needed to do some research. I just feel it's important we can talk. We, we should be consistent yeah, as, as pro-life people. We should be consistent in our biblical and practical stance in all areas. Um, well, in all areas, but certainly in all areas that that um, are pro-life areas, which which this is. So what I did is I, I pulled out. I, I read many articles. But one of them, which we cite on an article that I wrote then, which is a summary of 
some of the research that I found. Okay. Um, and we, I cite that article so that you can go read this article yourself. And I recommend that at the very least following this podcast that everybody do that. Read some of these articles we cite yeah. uh, to come to your own conclusion. And uh, what we're going to do in this podcast is kind of present the facts as we uncover them. And then we're going to give a conclusion at the end yeah. that, that we think the evidence points us to yeah. from a biblical perspective. And also, you know, like I started out, if mm-hmm. there's some repenting that needs to take place, then mm-hmm. that's that's what you need to do before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And don't let your feelings and don't let your experiences take you away from what's actually true. Let's say that you have a child that was conceived and IVF was the process by which you have that child. Mm-hmm. That child is a human being loved by God, right? A, a life, your son, your daughter, absolutely. And even though maybe if as we shine some light on this, you start to realize this was not the best thing for me to have been involved in, doesn't devalue that child and it doesn't make you a horrible mother or father or whatever. Right. We don't know what we don't know. Yeah. You know, I'll share my story real quick, not about IVF, but about birth control. Mm -hmm. We've talked about birth control in the past. Right. And there are some forms of birth control that are not abortifacient, and there's some that are. And in the early stages of our marriage, we used some of the ones that were. Yeah. And I just, I didn't know. I was doing what you do, right? Right. You you have two kids and use birth control. And I thought that's the way that you It certainly wasn't advertised that- that that was actually could be an abort abortifacient. So. Yeah, and so yeah. I actually was exposed to like the truth about birth control and uh, and what it could potentially do through focus on the family. They actually had a uh, an episode, yeah, and a guy sharing about this, and I repented before God. Like I, di- yeah. I just didn't know. I could have known. I mean, yeah. it's my fault. I I could have known. I could have looked into it a little more. But again, I just believed kind of. What everybody else was doing, which is right. not <laughs> oftentimes not a good idea. Um, long story short, we have eight kids now, and obviously we, <laughs> we we've come to know you've taken a different path. <laughs> we've taken a different path, but I will say that I did repent before God. Yeah. There was a point in which yeah. I remember on my knees weeping before the Lord, saying, "God, I'm sorry." Now yeah. I don't know in that process of my wife taking the birth control if babies were aborted from her body right. because of the effects of that stuff. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so I can't repent specifically and say, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry that I even opened the door for this. I'm sorry that that's even a potential. Right. So that's my experience with, with birth control. And I think it can be pretty similar to this, actually. There are people that are listening that have been involved in IVF that you need to repent before God. Yeah. God's merciful. God's kind. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in loving kindness. But if we just try to take our sin and we we come to the knowledge of the truth and we try to just hide that in in darkness, the Bible says that if we hide it in darkness, we're not we're not going to get the forgiveness of sin. But if we bring it to the light as he is in the light, this is first John chapter one, that we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So bring your sin to the light. Acknowledge it before God doesn't necessarily mean you need to confess it before your whole church. Maybe you do. I don't know. However, the Lord leads you. But definitely, if God's convicting you in this, repent. 
and know that he's gracious. Now, I would say that Daniel Parks has given away his conclusion <laughs> anyway of, of where this is leading us. Yeah. But I will say that when I the first article I read and the first one I cite, so it'll be interesting for us to start with that. That was one that came to the conclusion that IVF in certain circumstances was ethical for a Christian. Yeah. So it'll be so one of their their first points is and they they approached it from a biblical perspective. Okay. All right. Overcoming fertility is pleasing to God. That was their first point. Okay. Over and and you know there's countless examples in the Bible. Uh Abraham and Sarah, Jacob and Rachel, Zechariah and Elizabeth are all couples that were infertile and and God changed that. I do think that's key and the author did not bring that up. The author okay. did not bring the point up that it was God that brought about the change in those couples' infertility. Yeah. A child was miraculously conceived through through God's yeah. um, intervention. Well, and, also there's some passages, and I know maybe you're not going there, but mm-hmm. I will say there are several passages where it talks about the Lord closes closed Sarah's womb, the Lord mm-hmm. closed Rachel, Rachel's womb, mm-hmm. I believe, and there are some other passages that talk about other women that God mm-hmm. closed her womb. And so— you know, there's that too. God opens yeah. and closes the womb. So God has a has a purpose in infertility. Cruel. I think that that's one of the hardest points for me yeah. in in discussing this topic. I can. I have children. I didn't. Ha- I didn't struggle with infertility. Yeah. I. But I know I wanted a third child when my husband did not, and yeah. I remember during that time period the pain of that. Yeah. Of feeling I'm not going to have a child that I so desperately wanted. So. You know, from an emotional perspective, I get it. Yeah. I get why these women do. Sure. But um, but anyway, the, and and so this article said yes, but fertility is clearly pleasing to God. Yeah. Although He does close some women's wombs, but yeah. But I it, mean, I don't think theologically we can dive into all of that because right. obviously there are things that are a result of the fall. Like I Correct. don't believe just because someone can't conceive a child that that necessarily means that God has closed their womb. Right. It could be other things going on that could be remedied by you know maybe things like IVF done in a moral, uh, a morally acceptable way, which we'll dig into. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just want to mention yeah. that. Like, yeah, there are things that are a result of the fall that we just we don't know what we don't know. Really good point, and it's made a little bit later on in this article. So keep that in your mind for yeah. when we hit there, because that's a really really important point. But the the second one that the author points out is that modern medicine is a blessing. And good in most cases, not all cases, but yeah. in most. So he said, well, you know, in the same way that you'll take an aspirin for a headache. Right. Well, the, you're doing something that is that is not technically natural, but it's made from the natural resources and ingenuity that God yeah. has given us. And that's the, the author makes the point that's the same with IVF. Okay. It's the ingenuity of the scientist and um, you're taking what is natural, that egg and sperm coming together, and you're just kind of helping them along in this, using modern medicine for a good purpose. It's not for yeah. an evil purpose. Okay. At least that's I what mean, they're I, contending. I would push back on that just a bit, mm-hmm. whereas in a headache, we're talking about alleviating a, uh, a person's pain in IVF and creating a child in the test tube, you're literally <laughs> creating a whole other life. That, and that was my major gut feeling as I was talking to that woman was this is a whole different level yeah. of intervention. The, the principles 
and the thought may be sort of the, th- right. the same as we're talking about modern medicine. Right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about I, I the creation of life. we're talking about a higher life. level of <laughs> right. use of modern right. medicine. And that we're was talking exactly, about creating a human life. I agree. This is exactly where my mind went. I couldn't always articulate it because I hadn't really ever thought about it really much. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah. So that's a really good point. The third point that the author made was that the the unborn child is human from conception. Of course, we all know that. We know that... Um, that that is supported by scripture. Yeah. And the reason that the author brings that up is to point out that anything that destroys, even from the earliest moment of conception, um, a, a human life, that that would be wrong. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's building a case for why IVF is okay, um, but does want to approach it biblically. So yeah. the unborn life, we agree with that. Yes, the unborn life is human from the moment of conception. Yeah. So that little fertilized ovum egg in the embryo in in the petri dish is a little human being that's about right. to be implanted in the womb. Uh the fourth point he made was that children should only be conceived by and born to married men and women. Yeah. And that's uh, the precedent set up in the Garden of Eden right. with, with Adam and Eve. So we would agree on that point, yeah. too, biblically. He's yeah. he's sound in that. Um, so he's saying, it, again, this is this is an article that says IVF can be morally okay. It can be. He as said. long as it's within these parameters. That's kind of what he's building. He's gotcha. exactly. He's building the points within these parameters. It can be okay, and then he's gonna gonna go on to tell us when those parameters exist, where you yeah. find clinics okay. with those parameters, and then so his conclusion, although he does go into some objections, which we'll go into next, but his conclusion was, therefore, it is morally good in in some cases, and he laid it right out. It's good if the embryos are not destroyed, no embryos destroyed in the process. It overcomes infertility, which he says was God's original plan. Yeah. He also said from the fall, okay. um, in, infertility was not the plan right. in the Garden of Eden. That was the result of the fall. Right. And, and that the blessing of the children is brought to a married man and woman. Um, yeah. if, if, if IVF achieves those three major goals, then it's okay. That's, okay. that's where, where he ended now, his objections, and it wasn't his objections. He said, this is what other people cite. And I read a few articles that were actually on that side of, okay. of this discussion. So the first one is that it's not a natural process, as yeah. God intended conception. Yeah. Which is obvious. No, it's not. Yeah, of course not. But it is, it is it's helping a natural process. Um, and And again, the people that excuse this objection as this is not a valid objection will say, yeah, but there are other medical interventions, many that are not natural processes, but we still do them. Yeah. We still do them. Yes. Sure. I mean, dying is the natural process. If someone's having a heart attack and, you know, just let the natural process carry through, we would not use a defibrillator or anything. Right. Correct. But yeah. again, we're talking kind of next level. We're not just talking about saving a life. We're talking about literally creating a whole another whole other life. Back to your dying thing. When I was thinking through all of this, I thought, okay, what would be the the accurate parallel though with yeah. dying would be if you killed someone because they might die. To yeah. me, that's again the same thing that you are you are taking a role that belongs to God. Yeah. That's I think where we both kind of are struggling with um uh, this is this seems like it's God's role, not ours. Yeah. 
So um, the second objection is that sex and conception are wrongly separated. Yeah. This goes back to what you were saying earlier. At the fall, um, there was no infertility. And what the the author that... Um, that counters this objection says, yes, they are separated in the case of IVF, but it isn't so much IVF that separates them. It's the fall yeah. that separated them. The fall separated for infertile couples, that's not what God intended. Yeah. It's the fall that yeah. has separated the act of sex with, with, um, right. with conception. I thought that was an interesting... Point. Yeah, because conception doesn't always happen when a married couple has sex. Right, right. right. And then for infertile couples, it never happens. But that's not what God intended, it right. is the argument. Um, here is what is, for, I think, us, the most compelling right. objection. Yeah, this is, is the main is concern. the third one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's that embryos are destroyed. Yeah. Now, I learned a lot as I was studying this. I thought that many, many um, eggs were collected. And um, and then ultimately destroyed. You only used one or two, and then yeah. the, when the well, woman. Let's was done. be clear: the collection of the eggs is not the issue. It's when the eggs are put together with the sperm and conception has taken place. Right? Correct. So, Correct. Embryos. Yes. yes. Because those are the ones that are then um, frozen and right. and stored. Ultimately, if they're frozen, they need to be stored. And it it used to be that doctors needed 50, 60 yeah. in order to have a 17 percent success rate. So and then all the, the other ones were would die. They would yeah. just die. So many were dying as a result of this process. And then many of the stored ones were being destroyed. Yeah. That is no longer, in terms of collecting, that's no longer the case. The success rate is now about 50%, sometimes yeah. greater, and they only are harvesting one or two eggs yeah. for the women because the success rate is so much better. So fewer um, embryos are dying, yeah. first of all, in the process, and most clinics apparently are committed to storing them as long as possible. But the problem is... That people run out of money, they don't want any more kids, they just stop paying for the storage. And uh, many articles I read said this is kind of the elephant in the room that the IVF clinics don't want to talk about. Yeah. What do they do with the eggs? Right. So you know what I read that they do? They either let them, um, you know, they store them as long as they can and they destroy them. Right. Or, and this horrified me a bit more. Both are horrifying. Um, they're used for science. Right. The mother can sign them over for research. So these are living human beings. Right. At the earliest stage of development, yes, but being used for scientific research, and then they are destroyed. They're not right. – it's said as though this gives them the out. They're not allowed to go on then to become a living human being with altered whatever. Right. Yeah. Which is the grievous thing. This is, is. This is the main concern. Because if we believe life begins at conception, and in my mind, and I think you would agree, and yep. most of us who claim to be pro-life, there is no other logical point in a human being's existence, except for the beginning of that existence, that we could say their life began, right? Right. Um, life begins at implantation, you know, when the, when the fertilized egg, when the zygote is implanted into the mother's uterus. Okay, well, that doesn't really make any sense there, right? It, it must be life begins at conception. And again, we're talking about an egg and a sperm coming together in conception, 
and being stored away in, you know, a freezer. I don't know how they store these these things, but yeah. some kind of freezer, yeah. or whatever, and then ultimately thrown into the garbage can. Yeah. If we believe life begins at conception, we, we've got to be against that. We cannot stand for that. And if you think about it, too, we're really playing, in a sense, playing God. Yeah. And, and when, when human beings step into that realm, in the realm of playing God, the realm of creating human beings and doing tests and things like that on human beings, that is a dark downward spiral. As a matter of fact, I would say maybe it's not a downward spiral. It's the bottom of the spiral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when our science is using as its scientific, its object of, of scientific exploration, human lives, right. that's a problem. Yeah. And we as the church, if we believe what the Bible says, every human being is precious, life begins at conception, then we've got to oppose this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of life beginning at conception versus implantation, it was through IVF research, actually, that I think that question was, I believe, clearly answered by science. God answers it, of course. Yeah. It's at the moment of conception. But what they discovered through experimentation with these um, eggs and sperm as they're being fertilized was that there was a spark of, we call it a spark of light. More technically, it's a spark of zinc, that if it's in a phosphorescent medium, you do see a spark of light. Anyway, that spark of light, they discovered that the bigger that spark was, the more viable the egg was. So they were able to then select which egg was most, which fertilized egg was most likely to survive. Yeah. And that but but what I'm saying is there is at that moment that spark of light, that spark of zinc, which shows that there has been fertilization. It it, it occurs. You see it at the moment of conception. Right. To me, which is pretty of, amazing. It is amazing. Pretty cool. Yeah. But just to find out that cool fact and, and do research based on human beings being created is still it's not a good thing. Yeah. Right. And let me let me mention a couple. These were some I just came up with on my own as I was thinking further along um, this subject. Uh, the embryos could end up being adopted by yeah. um, same-sex couples. Well, yeah. do we as uh, firm believers in the biblical arrangement for a healthy marriage in which to raise children, would, would that be okay? But um, that does happen. That yeah. will happen with with the um, discarded eggs, the eggs that that the mom who they were harvested from no longer wants. Yeah. So that's one thing. Another thing that really bothers me, if you think about it, um, human beings should be treated with dignity and respect through all their natural life, from conception yeah. to to natural death. Is it ethical for a living human being to be frozen? And suspended, their life suspended in a frozen state indefinitely to the end where they might be discarded if it's, they're not wanted right. at the end. Yeah, I mean, and who's to say right. how long they can be frozen and still right. be like Viable. able to yeah, yeah. Still, still be alive or able to live. I'm not sure of all of that process. Yeah. But that doesn't give me a lot of like a lot of good feelings to realize no. that there are human beings, human lives that are stored away in some freezer somewhere. Right. Yeah. It kind of gives me pause. Just yeah. that part of it. And then one that we mentioned earlier on in, in the case of biblical couples and infertility, it was never some like scientific intervention. Yeah. 
uh, it was God yeah. who You're changed. Yeah, you biblically speaking. Biblically, it was God who, who changed the infertility. And if he didn't, we assume either he had a purpose yeah. or, um, or there was something that God could um, bring. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think another good. thing, and you don't have this as an objection, but I think you would, I think you'd probably agree with me, is um, objectifying children, making them sort of objects. Yeah, and to the point where now we know that there's some push, and I'm I'm sure somebody in some European countries do, doing this, where. You know, they're trying to figure out, okay, what what makes a child be more beautiful? How can mm-hmm. how can that conception process be sort of tailored to make that child look more beautiful, be taller, or have better genetics and live longer or whatever? Exactly. You know, you know it's happening. Yeah. And so you it's objectifying it's human beings, right. objectifying children too. Right. Um the biblical understanding of children is that children are a blessing to the family. Children are to be brought into a family with a mother and a father, raised as a blessing, not as a, not as some object, not as some like toy. You know, it's kind of like the, the spirit of this thing is. Well, let's create five embryos. Two of them, yeah, we'll we'll implant and we'll have. We'll save the others later for just yeah. In maybe case. if we want another <laughs> one, we'll have another one later. Now. I know I'm kind of being a little glib with it, and I don't want to be lighthearted, especially for people that might be listening that have been involved in this. Yeah. Um, but like, we're talking about human lives. Yeah. We're talking about human beings. We're talking about as a society, us objectifying children, and even conception and all these things, sort of to benefit us and what we want and our timing and all that stuff. Yeah. And we can go on and on and talk about that, and I can offend you guys all day long. But at the end of the day, what what does the Bible say? What is true? What is what is consistent with truth? Life begins at conception. Every human being is precious to the Lord, and we as human beings do not have the right to play God. Yeah. Now, does that mean if there are IVF clinics that don't destroy embryos, that have a commitment to do that, are altogether wrong? I mean, I think there can be some conversations about that. And I think you know, as long as we're not destroying human lives— I feel more comfortable with it, but still I do have some concerns of yeah. seeing children as kind of like mm-hmm. items that you can buy and mm-hmm. items that you can create in a lab. That you place on a shelf until ready for use. Yeah. It, there's just something that doesn't sit well with me yeah. Yeah. Uh, for that. So, you know, I, I do want to say it. I know that both of us feel this way. We we mourn for those women. We yeah. We know the joy and the love of children, and we definitely mourn and understand why women might feel desperate enough to do this. But um, but I, I do hope this podcast helps people to really explore for themselves and to really think about it because we do want to remain consistent. And you yeah. will be asked about it, I'm sure, by oh, yeah. pro-abortion crowds or whatever. And it's, it's yeah. good to have a sense of how you should answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my conclusion is this, that we need to be biblically consistent. We need to be consistent. Life begins at conception. That means whether that conception happens in a test tube or whether it happens in a woman's uterus or whatever, Mm -hmm. life begins at conception and we need to protect all lives. I do believe that we're going to have some further conversations about this. Like if if this is the case, how do we act? But I do think that one thing you can take away from this is like I started out, 
if you've been involved in this, just bring it before the Lord, repent. I think we do need to speak out when the when the subject comes up and we need to we need to be informed about this thing so that right. like you were on the plane, you weren't really like super informed about this. Right. You didn't have a, enough information to really push back and say actually there's there's yeah. some immoral things going on in these yeah. IVF clinics. Yeah. Um now you do. Now you're able to push back graciously. We don't need mm. to be bulldogs like a bull in a china shop and we yeah. don't need to be jerks about it, but we do need to stand for truth. And so yeah. more than anything, stand for truth. And uh and I believe God will honor it. So we'll wrap this podcast episode up. Um, encourage you to grab a hold of this article. It'll be on our Sidewalks for Life website, Sidewalks the number four life dot com, and it's in equipping articles. So it'll be there um, around the time when this podcast comes out, I believe. So yeah, get a hold of this article and uh, let us know what you think. Maybe you have a, a unique perspective in this. Maybe you can add something to this conversation that we didn't think of. Maybe we're completely wrong about this, and you'd like to correct us. Heck, we'd love to have you on the podcast. I'd love to interview someone who's knowledgeable about this stuff Mm -hmm. and to give us more knowledge. But, um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. You can reach out to me, Daniel at lovelife.org. You can reach out to Vicki, Vicki at lovelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. But until next time, God bless. God bless you all. Give me an outlet for love. Give me gratitude I know it will cost me my life but nothing's too precious since I met you